Well, I want to welcome you to Lakes Free this morning, everybody. Uh, we're grateful you're here. We want to say hello to those of you watching online this morning, and thank you for joining us as well. And uh, man, I, Chaz, thank you. I just, man, I, there's nothing better than worshiping the Lord together on Sunday morning. And uh, we're so grateful for all of our worship team. And uh, you guys just do a tremendous job uh, bringing us into the Lord's presence and preparing our hearts to hear from the, the Holy Spirit through His Word. And uh, what, a, what a just joy and blessing it is to be gathered as the Lord's church. Well, again, my name is Jason Carlson. If we haven't met, I'm the senior pastor here at Lakes Free. And uh, again, thanks for being with us. Just a few quick announcements for you this morning that I want to make sure to mention. First of all, uh, you may recall, uh, you may have seen over the weekend, I sent out a church-wide notice. Uh, we have some big changes coming up here at Lakes Free in the coming weeks. Uh, starting February 14th, we are going to uh, begin slowly reopening our church to some of our regular ministry activities that uh, we've so missed this past year. Uh, we're going to start uh, bringing back some of our in-house ABF groups. We're going to bring back some of our children's ministry. Yeah, I think that's definitely worthy of uh, giving thanks for. Um, and again, we're th these are just stepping stones. So we're taking little steps to, to open up more fully. And again, our heart and our hope is that, you know, we can do more and more as the, as the weeks go by. But uh, here's what I want to ask you as our church to be doing. I want you to be praying. I want you to be praying that, that God would continue to uh, tr just do a work of removing this COVID threat from our from our land, um, that we wouldn't have any further health complications that would set this back at all. Uh, we want to continue to keep moving forward, and God's been faithful. He'll continue to be faithful, and uh, we're going to continue to worship Him regardless, but, uh, but man, it's going to be so great to have more of our regular ministry activities back up and running that we've, uh, that we've so missed. Now, speaking of praying for our church and for our health and our nation, uh, we have a prayer gathering tomorrow night that I want to invite you to join us for. Uh, our Freedom Prayer Gathering is going to be at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow evening. We're going to be downstairs in the fellowship hall, and uh, we're going to be praying for uh, these themes of freedom, for, for faith, that God would increase our faith as his people, that we would walk in faith, that we would continue to live in faith and faithfulness. We're going to be praying for a revival in our land. You know, we talked about last week, Jesus as the light of the world, and, and really it's the light of the gospel that is our ultimate hope. Uh, that's the real hope that we have as a nation and a world. So we're going to be praying that the Holy Spirit would be at work doing, uh, doing an incredible work of revival in our country. We're going to be praying for our economy. We're going to be praying for the ongoing easing of COVID restrictions and just, you know, God's blessing over the churches around our country that we would continue to be able to worship in freedom and, and more open worship. And we're going to be praying for the demise of COVID-19. Uh, you know, we all want this threat to be, to be back uh, behind us and done. We're going to be praying for our neighbors, whatever concerns you have, and, you know, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, we're going to be praying and lifting up our friends and neighbors. And then we're going to be praying Maranatha, Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus, our, our ultimate hope that one day Jesus Christ is going to return and recreate this world, making all things new, ruling and reigning over, uh, over all things in truth and justice and righteousness. And uh, what a great day that that will be. I also want to uh, invite your friends to uh, a great conference we have coming up uh, at the, the first weekend of the month of February. February 5th through 6th, 
We have a special speaker coming, Greg Speck, who is going to be leading us in some really powerful uh, biblical gospel-based themes to help us grow in our marriages. So if you're a married couple or you're considering marriage, maybe you're engaged currently, uh, whether you've been uh, married for a year or a dozen years or 30 years, this will be a conference that will be a real encouragement and blessing to your relationship. And uh, we want to invite you to join us for that too, February 5th and 6th. And then Greg Speck will be with us that Sunday morning as well. So if you want more information about any of that, please see our church website. If you want to register for the conference, you can do that on the church website. You can stop at our Next Steps desk. All of that information is back there in the foyer at the Next Steps desk as well. And uh, the people there would love to help you. All right, well, we're going to be uh, continuing this morning in our series in the Gospel of John. And uh, today we're going to be picking up where we left off last week, uh, looking at the awesome light of Christ, uh, especially as we see that light shining so brightly in chapter 9 of John's Gospel. We saw last week this miraculous, uh, this miraculous sign, remember, and these signs in John's Gospel are miracles with a message. And, and so last week we saw this miracle of Jesus healing the blind man, and we began to look at what that miracle means. And, and today we're going to continue on in John chapter 9, again, looking at some of these powerful truths that are found here in this passage, dealing with the awesome light of Christ. Before we get there, let me invite you to join me in bowing our heads and let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and open our eyes to his truth this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being gathered here together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for our friends watching online this morning and and may they too feel a sense of unity and connection with us through you, our our common spirit, You, you who live within us as your people. You are God, and we thank you that we are united because of Jesus and what he has done for us, and and then you, the Holy Spirit, coming and living and indwelling within us. And, And so now today we pray that you would once again open our eyes to the power of your word. This, this word that you inspired John, the Apostle John, to, to record for us so that we could know more about Jesus Christ and know more about who you are, God, and, and all that you've done for us. And so, Holy Spirit, again, we pray that you would open our eyes to these powerful truths. Help me to communicate clearly, Lord. Help all of us to have humble hearts as we hear your word and, and all that it means for us. We pray this in your great name. We pray this in the name of Jesus We pray this in the name of our triune God. Amen. Well, friends, this morning we're picking up in John 9, 1 through 41. Last week we we looked at the first observation in our passage. Today we're going to look at two more observations from this great story. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about Jesus this week, the the awesome light of Christ, um, not this weekend, but earlier in the week, you may remember, we had some really beautiful sunny days, right? I mean, isn't that great to see the sunshine again? And uh, have you noticed, friends, right, when we talk about the, the light of the sun, have you noticed the days are getting longer here in Minnesota? Is that, is that good or what? Man, I love it when, when these days start getting longer. Uh, a month ago, uh, December 21st, 2020, we had the, the shortest and darkest day of the year. It was the winter solstice. And uh, on December 21st, uh, friends, we had only eight hours and 43 minutes of daylight. I mean, isn't that sad? (laughs) Eight hours and 43 minutes of daylight. And, uh, but here's the good news, right? In basically the past month, we've gained, as of today, 
29 minutes of daylight just in the last month, and we are currently increasing daylight every day at a rate of about two minutes a day. And uh, man, that is good news in my book. If you're, if you're like me and you like the sunshine, uh, I, I just can't wait. Uh, even better news, in just five months, in just five months, on June 20th, we're going to have the longest day of the year. That's not too far off, friends. Over 17 hours of sunlight. I can't wait. Fishing, you know, till 9 p.m. at night, golfing, boat rides. I mean, everything we love about summertime, that's not too far away. Now, if you're like me and uh, you love those long summer days, friends, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be thrilled with what the Bible tells us we have to look forward to in eternity as God's people. In the book of Revelation, God gives us some really neat insight about what our eternal home and glory when God recreates this new heaven and new earth, what, what that's going to be like. Let, let me just read some select uh, verses for you from Revelations 21 and 22. This is the Apostle John, remember, same guy who wrote our gospel, uh, gave us the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, like as clear as crystal. He goes on down in verse 22. He says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for God's glory gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. John goes on in chapter 22, verse 3, he says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, isn't that amazing? The Bible tells us in the new creation that there's not going to be any sun or moon. It'll be like in the very beginning of creation, like we talked about last week, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, and yet God hadn't created the sun or moon yet, but there was light. Why? Because God himself was the radiance, was the glory, was the light. And and in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no sun, there will be no moon. We won't need those kinds of lights because God will provide light for us. And John tells us there will be no night there. Man, if you're a person who loves the sunshine, who loves the daylight, you're going to love the new heaven and the new earth. And you know something, friends? 2,000 years ago, just think about this. 2,000 years ago, God gave this world a tangible preview of eternity when Jesus Christ, in his glorious light of life, broke into the darkness of this world. And in his radiance and his glory, Jesus Christ pierced the darkness of our spiritually blind world. And he shone brightly the light of truth, the light of hope, the light of of the glory of God. 
That, that's what we're seeing here in our study in the Gospel of John. We're seeing John share with us about that breaking in of the light of God's glory that came into this world and, and made himself known. It's like John says as he opens his gospel in John 1, verses 1 through 5. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Remember, the Word there is Jesus. John goes on, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And here's... Here's the best part. In him was life. And the life that Jesus brought was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, the darkness has not overcome the light of Jesus Christ. No matter how dark this world is, no matter how dark this world gets, the light of Christ cannot be overcome. And that's what John is revealing to us here in his gospel, this, this awesome light of Jesus Christ. We, we saw John last week in our, in our passage here in John chapter 9. We saw John explain and share with us how the light of Christ went out into the world and, and made his glory known. And we saw that glory, the radiance of Jesus' glory in this great sign, this great miracle of healing the blind man. And if you were with us last week, you, you'll recall we, we looked at the, the first point in this two-part series, this two-part sermon, the awesome light of Christ. We saw that, that the light of Jesus Christ is a light that shines. And, and last week we talked about how the light of Christ shining illuminates certain truths for us in this passage. And, and in verses 1 through 12, we saw how the light of Christ illuminates first the error of legalistic religion. Remember, the disciples see this blind man, and they say to Jesus, you know, who sinned? Was it, was it this guy or his parents? Because obviously, right, we know that if you're a sinner, you must have done something wrong to deserve that. And, and they had this flawed legalistic view of this man's affliction. And if you recall last week, I talked about how, how the point Jesus shares with his disciple, the reason for this man's blindness was not a result of his sin or his parents' sin, but that God might use him to display his glory to the world. God had a plan and a purpose for this man's affliction. And so God dispels this myth of, of this legalistic uh, view of, of sickness and illness and affliction. We, we then saw how Jesus shines hope upon our trials and pain when, when he, he brings healing to the blind man. Why? Because our God is a healer. We talked about that reality, that we can trust Jesus. He's our deliverer, and he can heal us. And sometimes those healings come in, in the form of physical miracles, physical deliverance from our trials and our afflictions, and sometimes those healing miracles come in daily graces where God gives us the strength and the faith to continue walking in the midst of our trials and pain, but he promises to never leave us or forsake us. And then we saw last week how, how the awesome light of Christ shines, piercing our spiritual darkness with a ray of life. And, and that was really the ultimate meaning behind this sign here in John chapter 9, that we are all spiritually blind. Our world is caught up in spiritual darkness, but Jesus pierced the darkness with the hope of the gospel. And now today, friends, we're going to pick up here again in John chapter 9, looking at verses 13 through 40. We're going to look at what happened following the miracle of the healing of the blind man and the response of the various people to this miracle. And we're going to see, friends, that there is some powerful application 
for us today, for our world today, as we see the result of the awesome light of Christ displayed and, and how people respond to that light. Let's take a look at our verse, our passage this morning, John 9, verses 13 through 40. I'm going to read this. You can follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen behind me. So after Jesus heals this man, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. And they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He, he answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. What a fascinating account of the the after effects of this miracle, the response of the various people to this miracle. 
I want to I share two more observations from this chapter for us to think about. When we, when we think about Jesus in the awesome light of Christ, we, we saw again last week Jesus is a light that shines. And, and now today, observation number two that we see here in our passage, Jesus is a light that defines, a light that defines. I shared with you guys last week how uh, a couple of weeks ago, following Christmas, my family and I had a chance to go down to, to Georgia and uh, visit my in-laws who moved down there a few years ago. And uh, they live in a really awesome area. I shared last week, they're, they're in the southern end of the Appalachian Mountains, and, and their home is in the foothills of the mountains. And so they have, they have this deep valley that's right behind their house, and I mean, a beautiful forest. And one of my father-in-law's favorite activities since they've moved down there is uh, he's built a, a little feeding trough in his backyard, and uh, he loves feeding the wild animals and, and just seeing, you know, what kind of animals show up each day. And, and while we were down there, we, we, we saw all kinds of animals. He, he, you know, he goes to Walmart, he buys these big bags of corn, and he puts them out, out in their backyard. And, I mean, they'll have, like, huge herds of deer that come through, uh, possums, raccoons, coyotes. And uh, one of the fun things that we did when we were down there in Dahlonega, Georgia, with my in-laws, well, at nighttime, the animals would come out. But you see, in the darkness, you, you could make out silhouettes. You could, you could hear the animals rustling out in the forest, walking towards their backyard. But, but you couldn't always see what exactly was out there eating, what kind of animal was out there eating. And so my kids and I, we would go with my father-in-law, and we would go down in their, in their basement, and we would look out the back windows, and we would take a flashlight, and we would shine the flashlight out into the backyard upon the animals that were there feeding. And when the flashlight shined upon the animals, what was once just a silhouette, what was once hidden in darkness, suddenly came to clarity, suddenly came to definition. We could make out what kind of animals were there eating at the trough. Whether it was a deer or a possum or a coyote or a raccoon, it was the light. It was the light that brought clarity to what we were seeing. And you know something, friends, as I was thinking about that this week, I thought that's just like Jesus. That's just like the light of the gospel. Just like this, this flashlight revealed the nature and identity of the animals that we were observing in the backyard. In the very same way, the Bible tells us that when the light of Christ's truth shines upon the hearts of men and women, it will clearly reveal our true spiritual nature. When the light of Christ's truth shines upon our hearts, it will reveal, it will define whether we are children of God or children of the devil. You might remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Justin was preaching, he preached out of John chapter 8 where Jesus literally taught that, that you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's only two categories, friends. There's only two, two options for all of us. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, which we looked at last week, we saw how the Apostle Paul informs us that the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The God of this age that Paul's talking about is, is the devil, Satan. He calls him the God of this age. What, what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean that he is like the God of gods or the King of kings or the Lord of lords. He's a small g God. 
But make no mistake, friends, the enemy, the devil, Satan, is the God of this age. He is the God of this fallen world system that we live within. He's the God of all who are spiritually blind. And and so the Bible makes clear that, friends, you're either a child of God, the true God, or you're a child of the God of this age, the devil. There's no other option. Now, now here's the thing. You might not like this idea, right? You might not care to hear this, right? A, A child of God or a child of the devil, I mean... But the reality is, friends, your opinion on this matter is irrelevant. What matters is what is true, what God has revealed to us. You might remember in John chapter 18 and in Jesus' trial with Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea there, Jesus says to Pilate, for this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus tells Pilate the whole reason he came into this world was to testify or bear witness to what is true. And one of the truths that Jesus reveals clearly to us is is you're either a child of God or a child of the God of this age, the devil. There's no other possibility. There's no third option. And so, friends, we need to take this reality very seriously. And as I mentioned a moment ago, When the light of Christ's truth, when the light of the gospel shines upon a person's heart, in other words, when a person is exposed to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what that will do is it will quickly and clearly reveal a person's true spiritual nature. When the light of the gospel shines upon our hearts, it will reveal whether we're a child of God or a child of the God of this age, the devil. And and we see this fact demonstrated in our passage this morning in both tragic and triumphant ways. We see it in three examples this morning. We see it, first of all, number one, in in the light of the gospel shining in Jesus in in the form of this miracle, this sign revealing to the world our spiritual blindness and Jesus as the light which pierces through the darkness, we see, number one, that some, some reject the light. Some reject the light of Christ out of pride. And we see this in the example of the Pharisees. Here's this man who is healed miraculously. He hasn't been able to see his entire life. Now he can see. And what is the Pharisees' response? The Pharisees' first response in verse 16, this man's not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. They're more worried about Jesus healing this man on the Sabbath than the incredible act of God in his light and his glory displayed in the world in the form of this miracle. But Jesus didn't keep the rules. He didn't do it the right way. They're more concerned about all of these other things that are so irrelevant in light of the incredible miracle that was done in their midst. They go on in verse 29, you know, we're disciples of Moses. We know that God's spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And then they accuse the blind man. They say, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us. I mean, talk about spiritual pride here. They were so blinded by their pride that even when the light of the gospel shined upon them, they couldn't see it. And friends, without a doubt today, 
There is no greater obstacle to a right relationship with God than pride. There is no greater obstacle than the heart's pride, which sets itself up in opposition to Jesus Christ. You know, there are people who reject Christ because of intellectual pride. People who, who in their, their human wisdom, they say things like, well, I know better than to believe in myths and fairy tales. I, you know, I'm not going to believe in that baloney. And it's like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.22, professing to be wise, they've become fools. Some people reject the light of Christ out of an emotional pride. You know, this kind of person says, you know, I don't need Jesus. I don't need anyone. I mean, who are you to tell me I'm a sinner? And so they, they just kind of reject it out of this emotional gut reaction. They, they're so prideful, they don't want to hear anything about the message of the gospel. You have other people who, who reject Jesus out of pride, out of a spiritual pride, like the Pharisees we see in our passage this morning. People who, who think they're really good, moral, religious people. You know, I'm basically a good person. You know, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I'm a pretty moral person. I try to do the right things. And, and you know, I'm certainly not as bad as those people over there. You know, God's got to accept me. That was really the sin of the Pharisees. That was their problem, their spiritual pride. It was like the story Jesus told in Luke 18 about the two men who went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, says, Oh God, thank you so much that I'm not like this bad sinner over here. Right? That's spiritual pride in his heart. I'm so thankful, Lord, I'm not like the sinner. And yet the other man, the sinner, the tax collector, he goes to the temple to pray and he beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. See, the the Pharisees missed out on Jesus in the light of the gospel because of the pride in their heart. How sad, friends, to miss out on Jesus because you're too proud to acknowledge your need for a Savior. So many people do. They miss out on the light of Christ. We see, secondly, in our passage that, that some people reject the light of Christ out of fear. So, so people reject the light of Christ out of pride, but then there's another category where people reject the light of Christ out of fear, out of the consequences of following Jesus. And, and we see this in the example of the blind man's parents, right? The, the Pharisees aren't satisfied with what they hear from the blind man who's been healed, so they, they bring his parents in, and they question his parents, and, and they ask his parents, you know, we know that this, they say, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, or we do not know who opened his eyes. Now, of course they did. Of course they did, because what would this blind man have done the very first thing after Jesus healed him? I guarantee you, he would have ran home and said to his mom and dad, look, I've been healed. But now his parents are called before the Pharisees. They're called into the synagogue. They're called to give an account to testify who healed their son. And what does John tell us? In verse 22, the reason they passed the buck and would not acknowledge Jesus, John says, is because they feared the Jews. Because the Jews said that anyone who should confess Jesus to be Christ is to be put out of the synagogue. Friends, in the first century Jewish culture, to be put out of the synagogue was basically to lose all connection to the community. 
It was to be completely disfellowshipped. It, it was to be ostracized. It was to, it was to basically be shunned. And here we see that the parents refused to bear testimony to Jesus because they feared the consequences. They feared what people would think. They feared what might happen to them. Friends, the Bible calls the way of Jesus the narrow road for a reason. It's a narrow road because it's hard. It's a narrow road because it's not always going to be the popular path. It's a narrow road because when you walk following Jesus, you're going to walk in opposition to the prevailing culture around us. And Jesus says sometimes that's going to lead to trial and opposition. You know, friends, I want to ask you this morning, are you prepared to count the cost for following Jesus? Are you ready to to face opposition for following Jesus? What are you willing to give for the sake of your relationship with Jesus? What if it costs you your friends? What if following Jesus costs you your Facebook page? What if following Jesus costs you your job one day? What if following Jesus costs you your very life? One of the great privileges in my life and ministry was about a dozen years ago, I had the chance to go to Cuba for a month. My dad and brother and I, we spent a month ministering to pastors of the underground churches there in Cuba, this communist country that for decades now has oppressed the church. You know, it's very interesting as we traveled around that country and we we spoke in these clandestine pastors' conferences that they had put together for us. We met hundreds of Cuban pastors. Do you know something? It is rare today. It is rare today to meet a pastor in Cuba who has not spent some time in jail for their faith. The vast majority of them have spent time in prison because they've chosen to follow Jesus. The guy who was our translator for the month while we were in Cuba was a man named David, great man of God. David, about 10 years before we met him, had been a professor in the university in Havana, Cuba, a professor of English, one of the highest ranking positions in that communist country, a very comfortable living and livelihood. And David became a follower of Jesus. And he started sharing his faith with students there at the university. When the communists found out, they told David, David, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to take away your position here at the university. David wouldn't stop talking about Jesus, and so they took away his position. Kicked him out of the university. He was no longer a professor. They said, David, if you don't stop teaching about Jesus, we're not just going to take away your position at the university. We're going to take away your home and your possessions, and we're going to throw you and your family out on the street. You're going to be homeless. That's your choice. Quit this Jesus nonsense or lose everything. David said, I I can't stop. I can't stop professing Jesus. And so the communists took everything. They took his home, his possessions, confiscated his bank account, everything. And he and his family were homeless on the streets. I'll never forget one of the most powerful things I've ever witnessed in my life was standing in a conference with 
a few hundred Cuban pastors. And in our time of worship, these pastors singing in Spanish, I have decided to follow Jesus. No vuelvo atrás, no vuelvo atrás, no turning back, no turning back. I remember looking over at David and tears were running down his cheeks. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Friends, are you willing to count the cost for following Jesus? You know, if you haven't made that commitment now when it's easy, you're never going to stand when it's not. And friends, this is no inconsequential matter. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 32 to 33, he says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Are you willing to count the cost? Are you willing to follow Jesus no matter what? Friends, that's a choice we all need to make in our hearts. I mean, it's a commitment that, that leads to eternal life or eternal judgment. We next see in our passage that while some reject the light of Christ out of pride and some reject the light of Christ out of fear, there's others, there's others though who see the light and they embrace the light with great joy and humility like the blind man in our story. The blind man, very different from the Pharisees, very different from his parents, the blind man recognized his need. See, he was blind and he knew there was nothing he could do to, to remedy his blindness. But it wasn't just his physical blindness that he knew he needed help with. He also recognized his spiritual blindness. And he acknowledged Jesus as Lord and and John tells us that there and then he worshipped him. And he wasn't afraid to tell anybody about who had healed him. Because he recognized his desperation apart from Jesus. He recognized his blindness, his need. He could do nothing to save himself. He needed Jesus. And again, this wasn't just about his physical blindness. He saw the sign in the miracle, the meaning behind the miracle. He recognized his spiritual depravity and his need for Jesus as his Savior. Friends, do you also recognize your need for Jesus? Have you acknowledged your spiritual blindness and your inability to, to do anything to save yourself from your life of sinful rebellion? As we talked about last week, all of us are blind. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is nothing that we can do of our own merit, of our own works, of our own righteous deeds to, to bring ourselves back into the presence of a holy God. Like the blind man in our passage this morning, we too are desperate in our sin, desperate in our rebellion, desperate in our spiritual blindness. And there's only one who can shine a ray of light and hope upon us, and that's Jesus. John, in one of his letters, shares with us one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 1.9. John tells us that if we confess our sins, 
that he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see, there's a path out of this spiritual blindness that we're lost in, friends. It's the free gift that Jesus offers each and every one of us when we put our trust in him, when we confess our sin, when we acknowledge our need. Jesus promises to open our eyes. He promises to cleanse us and make us new creations. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, the light of Christ is shining upon your heart right now. Those of you watching at home, the light of Christ's truth is shining upon your heart right now. This very moment. Some of you might even feel that ray of Christ's truth right now. I mean, that light is so bright, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it in your heart. You're going to feel it in your soul. You're going to feel it convicting you. You're going to feel it drawing you to something greater than yourself. And, and that's God. That's his Holy Spirit speaking truth into your life. And the question you need to ask yourself this morning is, am I going to reject the light? Or like the blind man Am I going to embrace the light of Jesus with humility and great joy? Changes everything. The third observation now we see here in John chapter 9, we, we've seen Jesus as the, the light that shines. We see him as the light that defines. We also see Jesus, though, as a light that blinds. He's a light that blinds. One of my greatest pet peeves, I'm going to, I'm going to make an admission here tonight, this morning, one of my greatest pet peeves in life, friends, are people who drive at night with their high beams on. Are you kidding me? All right. Now, I, I didn't grow up here in Chisago County, but I, I seriously am starting to wonder, do they teach this in driver's ed? I mean, like, I drive around here at night, and it seems like every other car is driving with their high beams on. Like, friends, when you're coming up to another car, turn them off, right? It's just common sense. But man, it just drives me nuts. I mean, even looking at this picture, it's like blinding me, right? But here's the thing about high beams. They're a blessing, friends, when they're lighting your way, but they're blinding when they're in your way. Am I right? They're a blessing when they're lighting your way, but they're blinding when they're in your way. And it's the very same thing with Jesus. The very same thing with Jesus. When the light of Jesus shines into this world, friends, understand the light of Jesus is for each and every person in this world a source of blessing or blindness. It's either a source of blessing or blindness. And whether you see Jesus as lighting your way or someone who's in your way makes all the difference in the world. See, this is what Jesus means in verse 39 in our passage. If you have your Bibles open, Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. What's Jesus talking about here? What, what does he mean when he says those who do not see? What he's talking about are those who humbly acknowledge their need for a Savior. And Jesus says, those people are going to see. Their eyes will be opened. They'll see the truth. But Jesus says there's another kind of person. The person who does see. And this is the person who thinks they have no need for a Savior. 
And Jesus says, this kind of person will become blind. Just like the Pharisees in our passage, friends, the Pharisees had sight, but they had no light. They were spiritually blind and blind unto judgment. Judgment separated from God for all of eternity because they could not acknowledge the light of Christ. And friends, there is no more tragic consequence in this world than to reject the light of the gospel offered to us in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, is Jesus lighting your way? Or is he in your way? Do you see him as your means to sight or someone to fight? How do you view Jesus Christ? See, to miss out on Jesus, to to reject what he offers is to continue to walk in blindness. It's a blindness that, that leads to judgment, spiritual separation from God for all of eternity. But the good news, friends, is if you'll acknowledge your blindness this morning, if you'll recognize your sin and your rebellion against God and turn to Jesus, he'll open your eyes. He'll forgive your sins. He'll set you on a new path, walking in the light of true life in him. Don't miss out on Jesus. Don't miss out on the awesome light of Jesus. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that we might see the light of the hope of the gospel. The good news that you, God, were not content to leave us trapped in our sins, but you made a way for us to be forgiven through your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to to share the truth with us and to show us his light and, and to ultimately give his life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins taking our sins upon himself so that we could be made new, washed and cleansed and forgiven by the gift of his blood, which covers us and and atones for our sins and allows us to come into your holy presence once again. And, And Lord, I just pray that none of us here this morning would miss out on the good news of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would see your light shining brightly, that we would respond to your bright shining light, that your light would draw us and compel us to hope in you and trust in you and believe in you. I pray the same for anybody watching online this morning, that that they too, Lord, would see the light of the truth of the gospel shining brightly and confess their sins, acknowledge their rebellion, and turn to you as their source of hope. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your awesome, blazing, glorious light that leads us into life and life to the full. We pray all this in your great name. Amen. The awesome light of Christ. Friends, I'm going to invite you to stand for our benediction this morning. It comes from Jude, verses 1 and 2. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. God bless your friends. Walk in the light this week. Amen.
Hi everybody, Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.